Welcome to New Gen Network, a podcast online radio show from Ghana, West Africa. Your host is Raphael Okere and co-founder. Gen Writers Club is a show to empowering young African writers to share their writing skills and arts with the world. Join us to listen to our international guest speakers who are ready to inspire and motivate you to your success. Hello everyone, you're welcome to the New Gen Network. It's so exciting to have you on today. Today we have an amazing guest with us, Darylu from the US. He's actually a Ghanaian, and so I feel so happy to be speaking with a Ghanaian outside Ghana right now. It feels so good. I'm, I'm, I'm about to explore how it feels to, to be on the outside world right now and the kind of experiences happening even in these times of COVID-19. You are welcome, Mr. Benjamin Buedu. Thank you, Raphael. I'm very happy to be on. Thanks so much for having you too. Um, tell us, how, how does US feel right now? You know, Ghanaians um, around here, they always call you guys the US burger. So <laughs> I'm going to spare us that talk. And I'm going to ask you, how does it feel to be in the States right now? You know, with the whole COVID-19 pandemic and everything, how, how is it feeling like? Sure. Well, it depends on where in the United States you are, right? I am based in Los Angeles and in California, it's a little bit different than if you're in Texas or, you know, Virginia or somewhere else like that. Um, the different states in the, in the United States have, um, how would you say, attacked the pandemic differently, right? In California, more... Um, restrictions have been put in place initially. So the pandemic is less here now than it is in say Texas or other parts of the United States, right? Um, The new variant is making things a bit more difficult. You know, uh, say a few months ago, the um, California was in essence opened up again, you know, like people are going out and you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. Um, but because of the new variant, we are required to wear masks again. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, we do what we can and uh, we stay safe and um, yes, yeah, life moves on. Sure. It, it feels good to actually know that you're safe. You know, I can see you very healthy. <laughs> the, the Ghanaian blood runs everywhere. But yeah. yeah it's a, a strong blood. Yeah, I actually asked that because, you know, there is a lot of tension going on, going out right now around the world, you know, people getting stuck in their corners can't really make moves because some, some way, somehow they feel scared of the whole situation right now at hand. I brought up this issue because even for you, you had to leave um, Ghana to the outside world in times when you were also experiencing something like that, but it wasn't really about COVID-19. It was a different thing, which has to do with health um, yes. amongst one of your family members. Can, can you tell us how the experience was like? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I, I grew up in Ghana. I was in uh, Kumase from, until I was 15 years old. Uh, I am the third born of four boys in my family. And my little brother, Kweku, he was, uh, 
he, he was not well and you know he'd been going to get he'd been going to hospitals in ghana um in accra actually he would drive to accra to go to a specialist and he was unfortunately misdiagnosed with cerebral malaria i think it was uh for many years uh, when in fact he had a uh, brain tumor and the way it was discovered was you know his the doctor he's going to regularly um was on vacation so my dad took him to the military hospital across the street uh, and the doctor there immediately recognized the symptoms he had a scan and confirmed and i think it was three weeks later you know we shipped off to sweden where you know my mom is swedish so my dad is ghanian my mom is swedish um but you know we all grew up in ghana and you know he went through treatment in sweden he came back about a year later and needed medication ongoing medication which at the time this was in the 80s in ghana uh wasn't available in ghana in fact there was a shortage of everything in ghana in the early 80s um and you know we tried my family my, my parents tried to ship the medicine from sweden to ghana but it didn't make it through because you know it got taken somewhere you know in between the airport in ghana and and our location so my parents made a decision to move to Sweden where he could get the medical care he needed and you know things were very tough in Ghana in the 80s so there's again a shortage of everything essential commodities you know we're talking food soap toilet paper you name it it didn't exist yeah. um was very uh, difficult to find actually I was not born then <laughs> yeah so, you know it was we called it the hunger years back then yeah. um because of that my parents decided that the three of us the three boys not my oldest my oldest Kwame uh he was going to stay he was we were all at Pemper College and he was close to his A levels so he was going to stay and finish his A levels so uh Kofi also Robert Robert Kofi I'm also Kofi so he was Kofi and I was called Bench because you know we had to distinguish who was who and Kofi myself and my little brother and my mom flew to Sweden so my my little brother could get the medical care he needed sounds great i hope your brother now feels good is as well he had the treatment uh, yeah he got the treatments he needed unfortunately he passed uh you know back in 94 um yeah from complications like long term complications yeah i get it um for well, that said i hope all of us keep ourselves very healthy so that you know we don't suffer from some of these complications but but yeah let's uh talk a little bit about the hunger days uh you, you happen to actually experience jj's regime you know oh, yeah. how how was the experience like uh well i'll tell you this um when john jerry rollins came into power initially and took over it was I say all of Ghana most of Ghana was very excited you know we'd been dealing with um mm-hmm. you know previous uh, how would you say dictators or heads of states because they were not elected and mm-hmm. you know things were tough in Ghana so JJ came in he said look you know what you know we're going to fix this it take it's going to take a while please give us time um you know and we're going to fix it And after a couple of years he actually um gave over to civilian rule. I think there was elections and I think it was uh Liman 
if I remember correctly. Yeah, Hilal Iman. Uh, yeah, Hilal came into power. Uh, he was in power for a short time and JJ took over again because he did not like how, what Hilal Iman was doing. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I guess he had good intentions initially, I would say. This was our, uh, my impression, at least. JJ Rollins had very good intentions when he came in. He wanted to make Ghana better. Um, however, I believe, and again, I was not, you know, part of his community, but uh, my my belief, what I've seen a lot of times, is that the people that were hired to help out did not know what they're doing. And I think in Ghana, that's been a recurring theme, right? And if I become president, I don't know how to run an organization, let alone a country. And I hire my brother, my cousins, and you know, people I know to take roles that they're not qualified to do. So, you know, unfortunately, Ghana did not. I, I would say it improved a little bit from from you know the previous um, head of states, but for long term, I don't think that you know worked out very well. Yes, um, that's that's been a big challenge. We've always been crying over that. <laughs> Some way, yeah. some some way, somehow, we we still not experiencing the the true governance we we want. I've been a big fan of JJ Rollins, and even though I didn't experience his governance, I'm still a big fan because some way, somehow, I I got to hear hear his his stories and you know the kind of change he was trying to build. And I I feel strongly that these are times that we we even needed him more, you know. Considering the fact that he's dead and you know not alive right now to run things, but I wish we had this kind of leadership in our system right now to make things straight. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you this. I remember, you know, there's details, right? So he tried to do a coup d'etat. He was caught. He was tortured. I remember, like, you know, they 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 said, you know, he was tortured pretty badly. They pulled off fingernails and things like that. Then his his people, you know, helped get him out. He successfully made the coup d'état. I, I remember he flew into uh, Tech University of Science and Technology in Kumasi um, in a helicopter. Right? You know, he's, he said he's coming, so you know he flew in, landed his helicopter. He's a flight lieutenant uh, in the stadium there, and I remember you know crowds of people. I mean, we run down there, we listen to him talk. And he said, he said, look, you know, if you have any corrupt people, bring them. I'll be here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. to take him, right? And people are like, yeah, 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 you know? And 7 a.m., there was nobody at the stadium. Sure enough, he showed up in his helicopter. 7 a.m., he flew in, he's like landed. There was no one there, he took off and left. Um, I do remember him, you know, saying, you know, all the, all the things he was gonna do. I just don't think he had, I don't know if he had it or his, his team had the qualifications, right? Um, I mean, what, what, you know, I've been out of Ghana for such a long time. I go back yeah. and visit my dad. And I remember, you know, each time a president would come in, you know, even after JJ, you know, they'll all promise. And one of the big promises was we're going to build a road from Accra to Kumasi and then we'll build it from, you know, <laughs> and they become presidents. They come in and they build that road. But this is Ghana, right? They put this asphalt, very thin asphalt, all the way from Accra to Kumasi. Yeah. And the next time the road comes along, the road is washed away. So it's like wasted money. And I remember coming in when uh, Kufo was president and seeing how he was building the roads. And he was building the roads very well, building them to last. 
yeah. uh, those those stones, those concrete. They built the um, the gutters on the side of the the roads between Accra and Kumasi. Well, as much as they built when I was when I was visiting back then, and I was very impressed because for the first time since I'd grown up in Ghana, I was seeing someone actually building this road to last. Yeah. Yeah. Not just because I said I was going to build it, but he's like he's actually building it so that it would last for years, if not decades. And, uh, I was impressed to see that. We need more, more, more people who are thinking long term. Um, you know, so the, the leaders of Ghana need to think long term, and how can we make Ghana sustainable? And actually, when we build stuff, build it to last. Sure, sure. And honestly, in my region, for instance, there's been a couple of projects like that that I really, I really commend. Uh, from from the look of things, they really look quality and going to last. It's been very great. When was the last time you actually visited, you know, down here, visited Ghana? Well, um, my dad passed. And uh, so the last time I came in was was to, uh, you know, uh, bury him. Uh, that was... Okay. How many years ago was that? It was about five... When, when did Mahama take over? Oh, man, I, I don't remember. <laughs> It was it was after Kufour and Mahama was uh, had taken over, um, and been. I, I think after Kufour was um, Atamels, and then Atamels died, and uh, Mahama came on. So I I think perhaps that was like eight years ago, or nine years ago. Yeah, that's about seven eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mahama had been in power for a while, and I remember coming in because I'd come in when Kufour was in and was building those roads, right? Okay. And I came in, I think it was three years later, okay. when Mahama was president, and the roads, you know, were where they were. They, nothing had been done. The, I remember seeing these overpasses that had been built, and all they needed to do was connect the overpass to the road. And, you know, in three years, that had not happened. And I remember being feeling very sad that, you know, oh, yeah. somebody came in to build this amazing infrastructure. And then the person who came after, it was voted out. The uh, party was voted out, and then the new party came in. They didn't continue the work. It was very, very sad to see. You know, like all this money was spent, and I just, you know, stopped right there. Oh man, um, th- there is something that I love to always talk about that I've actually not seen much, you know, and it still has to do with uh, our former leader, legend Jerry John Rollins. You know, we yeah. know of. Mary Mary Jackson, I know if you know Mary Jackson, um, the woman who helped NASA for the first time to go to space. Yes. Yes. You know, Mary Jackson is, is a legend in the US and there are so many things that helps the, the generation or the new generation to remind him. And one of them being documentaries and movies, you know. The first time I actually head of Mary Jackson was seeing a movie, which is Hidden Figures. And I love this, I love this so much. You know, it's inspired me that the blacks or the black race is actually full of intelligence and surprises. We can do anything at any time. And here we are, you know, we're having conversations like this with a businessman like you in the States, came all the way from here. It feels so good. But what I actually want to, you know, prove or say is we live in a country where we don't have 
any such real-time documentary that could actually keep the gen- the new generation or the generation we have now inspired about about Jerry John Rollins. Like I, I've I've not seen any movie. You know, I've heard stories about him flying a jet under a bridge. I don't know if that's true. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's <laughs> young and. You know, he knew how to fly very well, and you know, he, I remember, he, I remember hearing that story too. Yes, you know, for many generation or for many young people now, when you mention that, they, they, they're going to say, "I think so." I think, you know, we're all going to say, "I think so." But the thing is, it, it's actually happened, you know. But there is no true documentary or movie that depicts what I'm actually saying right now, and it's very yeah. sad. It's, I think, it's very sad. It's not to me. It doesn't really represent the kind of legend we've had for the past years and decade. What do you think yeah. about such story? I think we, we need to upgrade ourselves and honor our heroes more with some of these things. You know, I agree with you, Rafael. I think um, we, we as Ghanaians and Africans in general, um, I, I, I tell my friends, I say, look, you know what? The Jews are amazing in that, you know, they help each yeah. other. Yes. You know, first off, if there's a business that's going to happen, if they can find a, this is in generalities, of course, but if they can find a Jew to work with, they will work with a Jew and then they work outside of the, the community, right? I think Ghanaians, Africans overall, um, could look at that and emulate that to help Ghana thrive. Ghana is in the extremely wealthy country yes we have resources like gold cocoa bauxite diamonds you know we have so many resources we have the climate where we can grow all this amazing food and i remember when i was back there it was uh back in 2015 uh that i was in ghana last um you know farmers had food that was rotten because they couldn't transport it from the farms to to the cities um you know but we can build we can build factories, we can build, um, you know, places where they can can the food, they can dry it. There's all these opportunities. We just need to work with ourselves and, you know, help help ourselves. You know, when we have yes. resources like gold and, and oil, the, the Ghanaians who negotiate those contracts yes. need to think about Ghana first. Right, put Ghana first, help that money come back into Ghana to help sure. build infrastructure. You know, a lot of people take bribes and you know, they'll you know, make however many hundred thousand dollars, million dollars goes in their pockets, and then the money goes out of Ghana into multinational companies' pockets, and Ghana doesn't get to keep very much of that money, right? So, yeah. Ghana can do what the Jews do or what Singapore did. Like, Singapore mm-hmm. is another example of a country yeah. that was you know a very poor country um but when when they got into tech they put all the money a lot of the money back into their infrastructure into their country they built an amazing country ghana can do that ghana needs to do that